I'm a dancer, so I don't usually have to talk on stage, but here we go. My name is Galilee Stevens. I am a junior in high school, and I have been coming to Good News my whole life. I attend small group, our youth group, on Wednesday nights. Here's a picture of some people in my group. We have such a great time there. So if you are a high schooler, I uh, would definitely recommend coming on Wednesday nights. I also go to our family's small group on Sunday nights, and I have a great time there. Um, and I've really been able to connect with people there. Speaking of connecting, if you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you. There should be connect cards in the seat backs in front of you. If you could fill that out with as much or as little information as you feel comfortable with, that's a great way for us to get in touch with you um, and just to make sure you're connected. Um, two of my favorite things are fall and parties, which is why I'm so excited for next Sunday when we're having a fall party. Hello Fall, coming up next Sunday, October 29th from 5 to 7. There's going to be a chili cook-off, trunk or treat, and bounce houses. My mom's making chili, so you don't want to miss it. Um, I'm a part of the Hello Fall team, and the entire team has been working so hard to make sure this event um, is just so great. Um, but we do need your help still. If you are interested in serving, we need people for parking. So if you would just be willing to park people for an hour, then that's such a big help. You can write that down on the, uh, on the Connect card. We also have 62 trunks currently, which is so great. And thank you to all the people who have given up their trunks for a night. But we need eight more. So if you're willing to do that, you can write that on the Connect card as well. And we have 54 pots of chili, which also thank you for serving in that way. But we need six more. So if you would like to make a pot of chili, you can write that on the Connect card and show up next Sunday on October 29th. I'm going to pray for my dad as he comes up to speak. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can gather here together and worship you and praise you. Pray for my dad as he speaks, that the Holy Spirit will work through him and be able to touch the hearts of people here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good job. Thanks for a good job. It's awesome. Good morning. I'm Travis. Uh, today's a special day for me, and let me tell you why. Three of my kids are serving with me this morning. So my daughter hosted, Luke's in the tech booth, and my daughter Georgia was singing up here. So it's awesome for me to be able to serve with my kids. And I'm really thankful for Good News Church. Uh, my kids were baptized on this stage. They've grown up here hearing the gospel proclaimed regularly, seeing it lived out in small group, uh, have opportunities to serve and use their gifts. And it's really awesome. So I'm really thankful for this church. This is the Stevens family here. This is last weekend in Rome, Georgia visiting our son Riley, playing some football, and uh, really thankful for my crew. There's my wife in the middle. On Thursday, we celebrated 21 years of marriage, so really thankful for that, babe. Love you. God's grace is amazing. I need it. And uh, Smiley and Karen are celebrating 42 years. They've been married twice as long as me, so on next Tuesday is their anniversary, so they're away celebrating, so pray for them to have a great time. So I want you to think about this idea of multiplication. There's a family that's multiplied. It started with just me, then my wife, and now we have five kids. And this plant here, a friend gave me. This is going to be a visual aid for the day. This is called a walking iris. You know what the nickname is for the walking iris? An apostle plant. That's interesting, an apostle plant. I was at my friend's house, and he was telling me about this. I'm not much of a green thumb plant guy, to be honest with you. But he said, hey, I want to give you this as a gift. And I'm like, great. And he was explaining it to me. I'm like, that sounds really cool. And so as you see, 
this plant just wants to multiply. It, these leaves grow out, and this hits the grass and actually plants a new plant. So he gave me a small section that turned into this thing. We've taken these and planted them in other parts of our yard. And then I, a couple weeks ago, I, I you know, cut a couple of them and put them in plants and pots here. And so this plant multiplies. If anyone's interested, I'm happy to give you uh, one of these because it's in its nature to multiply. It's, it's going to multiply whether you want it to or not. Um, and so this is an apostle plant. So this will be a good illustration for us as we think about the idea of a faith that multiplies. So we had a family that multiplied, a plant that multiplies, and thinking about a faith that multiplies. Um, I would like to pray as we begin, uh, not because it's something we're supposed to do at the beginning of a message, but I need my heart to be settled and calmed, and we get to talk to God. It's a gift. So I'm going to pray, and I invite you to join me. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for uh, your work around the world. Uh, thank you that we get to gather together today and hear from you. I believe your word is true, and we need it. And I pray that you teach us today through your word. Uh, Lord, we pray for hope. We pray for healing, uh, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. Uh, we, need, we need your healing touch. Uh, we pray for uh, your spirit to work through this message, through your word, to teach us. Uh, we pray for marriages uh, in our church. We pray for parenting difficulties. We pray for work difficulties. Uh, we pray that you would break down the idols of our hearts, that you'd break down the idols of my heart. Uh, sometimes I believe I can do it on my own, and you're teaching me that that is not true. Father, uh, may your spirit and your word change us today. Uh, give us boldness to be a light in this dark world, and we're thankful to be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So 2 Timothy 4 is going to be our text. Uh, we've been walking through 1 and 2 Timothy for quite a while now. Um, and when we think about the Word of God, it's kind of interesting. So Paul is writing a letter to his disciple, to his disciple in the faith, Timothy. And so think of 2 Timothy as a four-page letter. So think about a page of, you know, a sheet of paper. I've been thinking about, huh, if I knew I was going to die in less than 12 months, what would I write on this sheet of paper and who would I give it to? Because that's the reality of what's happening in Paul's life. He knows his day is coming. It won't be long before he's executed. Less than 12 months after he writes this letter, he's executed. So he chooses to write a four-page letter to Timothy to instruct him and to help him carry the torch that he will no longer be able to carry. So it really gives weightiness uh, to what Paul's saying here, uh, because this is chapter 4. This is the last chapter of the last letter that he wrote. So I want us to keep that in mind. Uh, and one thing, you know, as we walk through, as we've been walking through this, I'd encourage you to read it in one sitting. It really doesn't take that long. It's a small book. So sometime this week, read through Second Timothy in one setting, um, because it really give, helps you understand some strands uh, and some repetitive things. And we'll point out a couple of those today. Um, last week, uh, Smiley preached on 2 Timothy 3, 16, and 17. Those are like Hall of Fame Bible verses, amazing Bible verses. Uh, so he broke that down. I was out of town last week, so I went online on our website. You can go on there and listen to past messages. So I encourage you to do that. Um, if you missed last week, check that out because um, they're great verses. And they really set up you know, chapter 4 here. Um, so I'm going to read 
chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'd love for you to follow along in your own Bibles or on the screens and hear what God has to say to us today. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The word of God. So I'm convinced that God has something to teach us today, not because I'm great or eloquent, but because his word is powerful and we have something to learn from our Father. So uh, I love this passage. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and uh, figuring out, you know, what the best thing to communicate through this. So I love verse 1 because it really sets the table. So in verse 1, he says, I solemnly charge you. He's exhorting him. He's saying, hey, I have a forceful order. I have something very important to tell you. Remember the weightiness. He's going to die soon. This is his last letter. So listen up. I have something very important to tell you. And then he kind of gives by what authority he's going to tell him. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So God is my witness. In the presence of God and Jesus, his son, by the way, who is to judge the living and the dead. He's the ultimate judge. So you see him piling it on here. And by his appearing, he's coming back one day. And his kingdom. So this reminds me of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, so therefore go and make disciples. So it's like, here's the authority or the reason behind this. And so I I think Paul's sort of mimicking Jesus here in setting up what he's about to say. So it's important to note verse 1, tapping into the motivation and power behind the charge, this important charge that he's about to give. And what is this charge? The first three words, preach the word. Preach the word. This is the part that you underline in your Bible. Preach the word. And so I was thinking about, I took some Greek in college and seminary. I wasn't a great Greek student, I'll be honest. Uh, Lots of vocab to remember. But I wanted to help you understand what this word means in the Greek for preach. So it's keruso. Everyone say that. Keruso. Okay, now you all know a Greek word. We're all smarter today. Uh, It is a verb. Um, The definition is to be a herald or proclaim. So it's usage, I proclaim, I herald, I teach. So this is important to think about. So we're going to think about this more, what this this means. But I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you hear preach. I don't know if you you think of preachers. um, But I wanted to show you where I go when I think of preach. So here's a picture of my dad and granddad. So genetics don't lie, as you see. (laughs) My uh, hairstyle, I come by it honestly. Uh, my granddad, he's in heaven now, uh, but he was a pastor for over 60 years. So he preached many, many messages uh, through the years, and my stepmom's actually going through and organizing a lot of his message notes and such. But uh, he uh, was a pastor for a very long time, primarily in the Northeast. That's where a lot of my family roots are. That's why I root for all New England teams. Um, and so, um, so that's my granddad, Sherm Stevens, primarily in the Northeast, but then in his later years, 
Uh, he pastored in Folkston, Georgia. Uh, he and my grandma, Millie, they had 17 children. 17, 10 boys and seven girls, so a lot of kids. So I have five kids, and people are like, five kids? And I'm like, what? 17, my wife's the oldest of 11, like five's not even getting started. So, so granddad, there's my dad, Mike. Uh, he's currently in Ecuador today. Uh, he's done some church planting and pastoring for the past 20 years in Ecuador and Costa Rica. Um, and so when I think of preaching, I think of the family heritage that I have, through my dad and granddad. And so I grew up with a high view of the Word of God, a high view of uh, preaching the Word of God in a local context and thinking about how that is God's strategy through local churches to reach the world. So, so that's some things I think of when I think of preaching. Um, when I was reflecting on my own life, uh, I feel like God really, I felt the inward call to ministry as a middle schooler uh, and then into high school, and God really confirmed a lot of that in me through sports, through leadership opportunities, through overseas mission trips, through leadership opportunities, different means. God really confirmed that call in my own life uh, and through other people through the years. And so uh, I have a challenge for the young men in the room. So I'm going to be looking kind of over here. Um, and the word young changes uh, the older I get, <laughs> what I think of as young. But maybe it's middle school, high school. 20s, 30s, maybe 40s, um, would you consider God's call potentially to be to be a preacher of the gospel, to be a person who's trained to stand up in local church and preach the word of God? There's a desperate need for young men to be raised up to proclaim the gospel. Uh, I serve on the board of the Florida Church Planting Movement. Uh, network and we plant churches throughout Florida and we're having a really difficult time finding men, young men willing to be trained, willing to take risk and do the hard work of being trained to be a pastor, to preach the word. And so we need to pray that God would raise up young men, a new generation of pastors and preachers. Um, so I challenge the young men at Good News to consider that. If you're interested at all, talk to me, talk to Strider, Smiley, any of us, we'd love to chat with you and help you along and support you in that. So just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, so as we think about a faith that multiplies, we have this plant that multiplies, a faith that multiplies. So we think about preaching. I want, you to, I want to share with you about some of the people we've invested in as a church and think about a church that multiplies. When I see this plant and I see these over here, I think of the many, many churches, over 160 churches that Good News Church has helped start around the world. That's amazing, right? So a couple weeks ago, my friend David Christopher, he serves on the Global Outreach Team. Uh, he and I, he told you a little bit about our Brazil trip. We went to a conference with 900 pastors. Uh, it was amazing to sit down with 15 of our church planters and ask them how their churches are doing and pray with them. And it was su a super encouraging time. And so we were in the state of Sao Paulo uh, for that. And uh, Ricardo, he's one of our key movement leaders, our long-term partner, loves the Lord. He was actually in charge of this huge conference, and he's an amazing guy who God has used in an amazing way. And so we have a short video that I want to show you from our friend Ricardo directly to you. Hi, my name is Ricardo, Ricardo Agresti. I'm from Brazil, and I started my church in Brazil in 2001 from there. Uh, we start new church in Brazil and also in Chile uh, in partnership with Good News Church. Uh, today we have been planting more than 20 new churches in Brazil and Chile. 
uh, with the partnership of this amazing church. I would like to ask you to pray for our moment in Brazil uh, after COVID, after a lot of polarization, political polarization. We are now in a time to reconstruct uh, the church, the relationship, and also our network in Brazil. So pray for Brazilian church. And I would like to say one more time, thank you so much for Good News Church, uh, for the partnership and the friendship along the last years. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. You're helping fund that mission, and uh, he asked for prayer, so let's pray for Ricardo and the church in Brazil right now. Father, thank you for your gospel expanding around the world. Uh, thank you for our brothers and sisters throughout Brazil. Uh, pray for the gospel to continue to go forward. Pray for our church planters. Help them to preach the word. I pray that they would, uh, for their marriages, for their families, uh, for their network. Thank you for the great connection they have with one another. Pray that you continue to bear much fruit uh, as they uh, are workers in the harvest for you, and may you receive all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We do have these prayer guides for global outreach. They're in the lobby. I'd love for you to grab one, slide in your Bible. Pray for our movement leaders. Pray for our church plants. Uh, we're helping start 11 churches uh, this year uh, around the world, and so they're listed, and please pray for them. It's meaningful ministry. So a church that multiplies. Um, it's awesome. What, what our church is doing around the world. So I may have lost you with the whole preaching thing, because most of you are thinking, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Like, there's a 0% chance I would ever stand up here and actually preach uh, the Bible to anybody. And so I want to think about this word, herald, a herald. And culturally, what a herald would do, a herald would show up into town, and they would tell the people what had happened. They weren't making up stuff. They were just saying, this is what happened. And so I don't think that this charge to Timothy is only for the people who have the very small percentage of people who actually stand up here and preach uh, on a Sunday morning. I think we all have a responsibility to be a herald for the gospel, to simply tell what's already happened. And we have a great story to tell, don't we? Um, and so I was thinking, okay, how can we illustrate this. And so I'm going to use my wife as an example. She doesn't know this is happening. She'll probably ask before you use your wife as an illustration, but I learn a lot through failing. Um, but it's a good one. So this is a little tool. It's a Bible study tool. It's an overview of the Old Testament. And so she reads this with my daughters uh, in the mornings, and they're getting an understanding of what the Old Testament has to teach. So is she a preacher? We wouldn't think of her as a preacher. Is she a herald of the word of God? Absolutely. She's telling our daughters what's happened. What's happened in here. And so I wanted to just encourage you homeschool moms, stay-at-home moms, you grandparents. Hey, all of us here, dads around the dinner table, we are all called to be heralds of the gospel to tell the story of what's already happened. So we all have a role in this idea of proclaiming the word. So I, I don't want any of you to get lost in there. We all have a, a role to play. And so as we think about preaching or being a herald, guess what? We have to do it you know, to our own hearts first, right? So we preach the word to ourselves, then we're able to share it with others. <clears throat> so preach, we focus on the word preach. Preach the word. 
So are we preaching our opinions? Are we preaching our political viewpoints? What are, what are we talking about? Well, we're preaching the Word of God, the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, and once again, Smiley talked about verses 16 and 17 last week. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So we preach and teach and herald the entire written word of God, his complete revealed truth as revealed in the Bible. We preach the word. So some of you, some of you students of the Bible are saying the word. Man, there's something in John 1 that talks about the word. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. You know who that's talking about? Anytime someone asks you a question in church, Jesus, go with Jesus. You're going to be right most of the time. So Jesus, Jesus is the word. So that is the message we have. That is the message of the Bible. It's pointing towards Jesus, the Old Testament. It's Jesus, his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, and then the birth of the church taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That is the message we have, is the message of Jesus. And I love 1 Corinthians 2, too. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only message I have. <laughs> Jesus Christ and him crucified. I forget anything, any opinions I have, whatever. Like, it's about Jesus. I think it's important to remember that because a lot of people can get up in a lot of places and talk about a lot of other things. But are we preaching the word to ourselves? Are we talking about the word? We have opportunities in small group, talk about the word Sunday mornings, personally, individually. It's so vital that we get to understand who Jesus is in his word. So as we think about a faith that multiplies, the word is a big part of that, obviously. So verse 2 goes on to say, we spent a lot of time on those three words, but there is more here. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready. Be ready. There's an urgency. There's a idea of being prepared. Uh, I was a basketball guy, so I spent 10,000 plus hours playing a game, and I love basketball. And so this idea of in season and out of season makes a lot of sense to me. When we'd come back in the fall, we knew who had put in the work because it doesn't lie when you get out of there on the court. Off-season is very, very important. In-season is important. They're both very important. So this idea of being ready, and what are we being ready for? Well, to, to be heralds of the word. And so, you know, it, it takes time to prepare and get ready. You know, there's a lot of things I did that I didn't want to do. You know, running bleachers not my favorite thing to do. Um, you slip and hit your shins, and that hurts a lot. And so being prepared to be a herald of the gospel, hey, we need to spend time in the word individually, corporately, because someone might ask us a question. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to give an answer to the hope that's in us, as the word says. So uh, be prepared in season, out of season. Then it gives several specific words. It says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So there's maybe some negative words, this idea of reproving, rebuking. Uh, sometimes we might have wrong ideas in our head. Sometimes we might be not living how we're supposed to live, and the Word of God and the family of God can help correct us, right? We need that sometimes to rebuke us and say, hey, you're going in this direction. You need to go in this direction. So that's part of what the Word of God teaches us. And also this idea of exhortation or encouragement, teaching, instruction, that's important too, and the Word of God provides that. Um, 
which is amazing. And then the last section, this idea of with patience. Um, I'm not a super patient person. I need God to develop patience in me. And as we're trying to live out this faith that multiplies, we're going to need to be patient because we're dealing with people. And people can be difficult, right? So as we think about being heralds, telling the story that's already happened, where is the power? Is the power in the messenger? No. No, we're, we're useless. We're not useless, but he can use us, broken as we are, dirty as we are, but the power is in the message. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the word of God, Jesus himself. So that's important to, I'm not saying, hey, you just need to do more stuff. I'm saying the gospel is good news, and we need to understand this for ourselves before we can tell it to other people. So uh, a faith that multiplies proclaims the word of God. There is an idea of being a verbal witness of the word of God. I think that's an important aspect here. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, you're going to be speaking about Jesus, so get ready, be prepared. And I think all of us as heralds need to understand there is a point where we break the silence barrier, and that can be risky and difficult, but it's important. So a faith that multiplies proclaims the word of God. All right, let's take a look at verses three and four. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. For the time will come. Has the time come? <laughs> it, it came pretty quickly for Timothy, uh, and it's definitely here, right? Um, and one value, like I said, of reading through like the whole book is uh, picking up on things. And so I read through First Timothy and Second Timothy, and I wanted to point out uh, how this is not the first time that he mentions these ideas or themes. So in 1 Timothy 1, don't pay attention to myths. Some will turn aside to fruitless discussions, contrary to sound teaching. 1 Timothy 4, some will fall away, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, have nothing to do with worldly fables. Chapter 6, some will turn to a different doctrine that does not agree with sound words. Guard against worldly and empty chatter. 2 Timothy 2, handle accurately the word of truth. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. So Paul is clearly telling Timothy there are going to be false ideas, false philosophies, inside and outside of the church, that will try to distract you from the truth and can grip your heart. And don't we see that today? Guess what? Movies, music, entertainment, it's not neutral. <laughs> they have agendas. They're trying to evangelize you and their ideology. And so we're bombarded with this day in and day out. And so we have to, you know, put on our thinking caps and try to be able to discern what is true based on the Bible and what are these false myths and ideologies that our culture is pushing. So I was thinking, what are some illustrations, some ways to help us understand what some of these are? So put together a slide just to point out a few. Uh, so we have a truth statement, and then we have a myth. So the truth, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a truth statement that has consequences. And then the myth is, in the beginning, bang. There wasn't a personal creator at the beginning, just a bunch of things happened, and here we are. So these are very polarizing views of where everything came from in creation, one a truth, one a myth. Another example, mankind. Uh, a personal God created mankind in his own image. So whether you're inside or outside the womb, you have value. 
whether even if you're old and can't contribute to society and you're in a nursing home or whatever, you still have value. And so the contrary to that is that, hey, we're just a process of, of evolution. We're just here. We really don't have any inherent value. Two polarizing views. What about death and eternity? The Bible talks about a literal heaven and a literal hell. Our culture says, hey, everyone just, everyone makes the cut, you know? Just try to live a good life. Everyone makes it. Or you just go to the ground and you just, you know, fertilize grass. So those are very different views. Obviously, there's more in the culture that we live in, this idea of gender, what is marriage. You know, the Bible has a lot to say on even things we're facing today. And there is work to be done for us to think about what does the Bible say and what does our culture say and what's true and what's false. So there's kind of this obscure verse in First Chronicles that I was made aware of in high school. First uh, Chronicles 12:24, or it might be 32. This is not inerrant PowerPoint. Uh, I don't do PowerPoints very often, so I mess up things. So check everything I'm saying with your Bible. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. So the sons of Issachar, they understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. So here are people who are in this culture. They're looking around, and they're understanding the false ideas and the true ideas, and that guides their actions. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So there's a challenge for us as we think about a faith that multiplies. Are we able to understand what's going on and know what we ought to do? And once again, this takes hard work, um, but uh, it's worth it, especially if you have teenagers. You're trying to, you know, teach them and train them and sort through all this information and help them understand what's true and what's false. So as we think about a faith that multiplies, a faith that multiplies understands the times in which we live. <clears throat> so verse 5. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Be sober in all things. Uh, another translation says, use self-restraint. Uh, this idea of, you know, think about talking with people who believe very differently than, than you. That can be challenging, right? Especially in our cultural moment. Uh, it's hard to have meaningful conversations with people you disagree with. But the Bible obviously talks about the truth in love. And that's a super challenging thing to do. But we're not supposed to just beat people over the head and say, this is true, this is true. But we're supposed to do it with wisdom in a way that is you know, winsome. And so I love how it, you know, he's guiding Timothy saying, hey, you know, use self-restraint, be sober, be careful, be wise in how you're going about doing this. Because it's easy for, uh, you know, to draw a line in the sand and have people not listen to you, right? And so there's a certain way in which we're supposed to uh, do this. And then it says endure hardship. Did Paul know anything about hardship? Man, that, that dude was an expert in hardship. He, he went through a lot. So he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, guess what? If you're going to be a herald for the gospel, if you're going to live this out, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, some of my Brazilian brothers uh, tell me about uh, the impact of the prosperity gospel is what it's called in Brazil. Basically, that is an idea that is not biblical that says, hey, attach Jesus to your life. And guess what? Everything's going to be fine. In fact, your bank account might be bigger. You won't get sick. 
Jesus plus whatever, will ma- it'll just make you happy and you'll be fine. And there's churches in our own country that, that preach that false uh, doctrine as well. And so it's important uh, for us to understand that uh, the gospel is true and hardship will come. Um, it, it comes in Brazil. They, they're fighting it there. We have to fight it here. Um, but be prepared. Expect hardship. Expect to be canceled if you're standing on the word of God and the truth in here. We, we shouldn't be surprised. And I know Smiley talks about that, and I'm thankful for his boldness to, to preach the word regularly in spite of the culture and the pressures that may or may not come. Endure hardship. And then there's this little phrase, do the work of an evangelist. This is kind of an interesting phrase, do the work of an evangelist. I began to think about this, and I thought, this is speculation, but maybe Timothy wasn't an evangelist. Maybe that wasn't his gift set. Uh, I can relate to that. My gifts, like, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my spiritual gift. Uh, it is Smiley's, as very clear, uh, week after week. That's his gift. So I thought, huh, maybe this isn't Timothy's gift, but Paul's saying, hey, you might not be an evangelist, but you need to do the work of an evangelist. And so let's think about what that might mean. Um, I did a Google search on evangelize. Just a random search, evangelize, to see what it would say. And listen to this definition. A zealous advocate of something. We've all met zealous advocates of things, right? Whether it's a product or a sports team, you know, people get fired up about certain things. And so a zealous advocate of something. So I wanted to think about that as we think about the work of an evangelist. Uh, What is the work? What is the work of an evangelist? Well, it's to herald, it's to proclaim, it's to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what he's talking about. Uh, not out of obligation, this isn't something we have to do. We get to do this. We get to share with people the life-changing message of Jesus and the impact he's made on our lives. So we have opportunities. You heard about uh, one today, this Hello Fall event. You might think, oh, it's just a party in the parking lot of the church. Like, what's the big deal? This is an opportunity to maybe break the silence barrier, maybe a step to being a herald of the gospel, to do the work of an evangelist, to invite a friend or neighbor. Hey, come to church. You know, it's not going to be a message or anything. We're just going to have fun and have candy and chili. It's going to be great. So that, that's one thing. We've talked about these Christmas gatherings. Uh, our family's going to host one of those. To me, that's a little risky. Um, you know, I, it's easy for me to talk to my neighbors about how good their grass looks and how cute my puppy is and, you know, things that ultimately don't matter for eternity. But to invite them to my home for a party where someone's going to be sharing the gospel, like that, that's going to be challenging for me, but these Christmas gatherings are giving me an opportunity to break that silence barrier and do the work of an evangelist and say, hey, come to my house. We're going to eat good food, and my friend's going to share some things. And so I encourage you, here are some opportunities that the church is providing. Let's take advantage of those to do the work of an evangelist. So what is the message of the evangelist? In this context, as Christians, well, the message, we talk about this a lot, the bad news and the good news. And so my tendency is to sometimes check out when the gospel's presented. That's full disclosure. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've been in the game a long time. But I don't want you to check out. And this is why. Because when the Bible talks about the condition of our hearts, I wake up each day and I look in the mirror and I know the thoughts that go through my head. And God's really been getting my attention lately on some of the deep-rooted idols in my own heart. And so when the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, I, I know that's true about me. No matter how much I want to pretend or defer or 
convince myself that's not true. It's true. The Bible talks about we're not just broken, we're dead. So if you're broken, like you break a bone, like you'll eventually heal and you can do things to, to get better. But when you're dead, what can a dead person do? Nothing. And so the Bible talks about our spiritual condition is death. And no amount of works, no amount of, you know, desire is going to change that. There's only one way that can be changed, and that's through Jesus Christ. His death, burial, resurrection, that is the message we're heralding, is the message of the gospel, that he's the only one that can solve our sin problem. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He died the death, the perfect substitutionary atonement that we couldn't do. And he did that for us. And he rose from the grave. Thankfully, he didn't stay on the cross, but he rose. He conquered death. And that is a miracle, and it is amazing. We need to be reminded of that. I'm in a Bible study on Friday mornings with some guys, and that's been really rich for me just to read the Word and talk about it with some guys uh, in my, you know, around my age. It's been awesome. And we, we're walking through the book of John. We're in chapter 11. So Friday morning, we were talking about this a little bit. Uh, and we were talking about uh, it's where Lazarus, who is Jesus' friend, he dies. One of Jesus' buddies dies. And it's actually Martha's brother. And so Jesus is talking to, to Martha. And Jesus makes many great uh, I am statements in the book of John. And so in this one, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, which is a pretty major statement. Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he asked Martha a question. The word of God's so good because you never really master it. There's always something God wants to teach you through it. And I'd never noticed this question that Jesus poses to Martha. He says, do you believe? Do you believe? So he confronts her with truth and then gives her an opportunity to respond. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond. And I wanted to ask you that same question that Jesus asked. Do you believe? Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the true condition of our sinful hearts? And do you believe Jesus is the solution to that? Uh, maybe you're a skeptic here today. That's okay. Uh, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you want to talk further. Find me. I'd love to sit down and chat and talk more about this uh, with you. But I encourage you, believe the gospel. It is truly the good news. The last little statement here that Paul throws in here to Timothy after doing the work of an evangelist, he says, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. I was thinking about that for my own life. Man, what is my ministry that I'm supposed to fulfill? And I thought about you all too. What is your ministry that God's called you to? I believe that God has gifted his people with spiritual gifts and that you have a role to play in the body of Christ to be engaged in the mission. Uh, some of you I know your gifts. Not many of you I do, but I'd encourage you to explore that and think about what is your ministry? What has God called you to do to contribute in the body of Christ? Fulfill your ministry. Uh, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, you have a job to do. I'm about to be out of here. I'm about to be executed. You're going to carry the torch. Fulfill your ministry. You've been called to this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, you can be equipped to fulfill the ministry that God has, that Timothy had, and that you have here in St. John's County. So a faith that multiplies, we've talked about this, a faith that multiplies proclaims the word of God, a verbal witness, uh, understands the times. A faith that multiplies understands the times. A faith that multiplies does the work of an evangelist. And I do want to remind you, this is a very important, 
The power is not in us and not in the messenger. The power is in the gospel. And he is building his church around the world. So as we think about this faith that multiplies, the message is not just try harder. This plant, you think this plant is trying hard to multiply? No, I just set it outside. It gets sun, it gets water, and it multiplies. It's just what it does. So we as Christians, as we stay connected to the body of Christ, I believe Jesus and his power is able to do a supernatural work and even multiply my small faith. (laughs) And I think he can do that with all of us. So in closing, uh, we've talked about uh, a plant that multiplies. Uh, We've talked about our church and how that's multiplied around the world. Uh, We've talked about our faith and different dynamics of how our faith uh, can multiply. Um, And I know you guys are used to this. We, we, uh, We celebrate people who come to faith in Christ. And through the witness of people at Good News Church, two people went from death to life this week. So let's celebrate that. It's amazing. And when I see this visual... I think of the 160 churches we planted and how many people have come to faith and how many people are being made into disciples around the world and heaven and how awesome it's going to be one day to meet all these people, and it's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. So in closing, we do have a bonus, a bonus life ring. So someone came to faith, not through someone at Good News Church, but through my friend Tony. Uh, Tony's a great guy. He's, uh, he's actually, God has called him to be a church planter uh, in Winter Haven. And we have supported him as a church, and he's launching in January. So, he, so the past year, he's been doing the work of an evangelist. He's been, you know, investing in his wife and four daughters. He's been gathering a core group. He's been raising money. There's a lot of hard work to be a church planter, and uh, God's called him to do that. And he came to our conference earlier this year, and uh, he found one of these booklets, and he's like, hey, tell me about this. What is this Do You Know booklet? And uh, so we told him kind of what it is and how, how it's used. And so he sent an email to Smiley and I uh, this week, and I wanted to, to share this email with you. Smiley and Travis, I just wanted to follow up about the guy I witnessed to last week using your track. I had breakfast with him this morning, and he said, I haven't been able to get that question out of my head. The question, what would God say to you if he said, why should I let you into my heaven? So this guy tells Tony, I called all my friends and asked them if they knew. <laughs> so how great is that? He's like, I need to know the answer to this question. So then Tony says, I then walked him through the end about repentance and faith and asked if he wanted to pray. He said yes, and I had him pray the prayer in the track. I know that you guys are putting life preservers up for each new convert. Well, that's a new one if you want to use it. So we're using it. It's awesome. So, And then he says... We are now going through the book of John together with one of his friends. And I want that to resonate with us because these represent people going from death to life, which is amazing, and we ought to celebrate it, and we'll continue to celebrate it. Um, But the commission is not go and make converts, right? Go and make disciples of the nations. So he's walking with this guy and discipling him, which uh, which is amazing. And so that was challenging for me to think about, and I wanted to share that story with you as we think about what does it look like to have a faith that multiplies. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and just thank you for your presence, even amongst your people here today. Thank you for the joy it is to gather and hear from you. Uh, I pray that you would convict where needed. You would teach and exhort where needed. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We, uh, uh, we need your help. We need your spirit. Uh, It's your message, not our message. 
And Lord, thank you for the fruit that we see in front of us as you are making things grow. And thank you that you invite us to be a part of it. It's humbling and exciting. And just pray for everyone in here today, everyone watching online. Lord, do what you need to do. Whatever that is, we uh, entrust our hearts to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.